morning, and uh, Merry Christmas Eve. We're going to talk a little bit about this wonderful time of the year. You know, I mean, we do recognize that uh, God has called us to gather every Lord's Day, and we recognize that somehow, somehow in His providence, God has determined that this time of the year would be a time when really all the world will set their focus upon, you know, what theologians call the incarnation, this idea that the eternal Son of God was made flesh. And, um, and God did this in a very dramatic way. I mean, you know, you've, you, you, you consider the cast of characters in this event. We think of somebody like the evil King Herod and just the horrible thing that he did to try to make sure Jesus wouldn't be born. And then, you know, we think of the wise men, and, you know, there's so little we know about them. They just kind of came out of nowhere, and they're looking for the king. All of Israel's not interested in the king. They're not interested in their own king, and these wise men from the east come, and like, Where, where's the king? Shouldn't there be some big celebration? They were interested. And we have Gabriel the angel showing up, talking to the parents of John the Baptist, talking to Mary, talking to, to Joseph. We've got all these people. Even this morning, God found it fit to bring Caesar into the picture. And not just with Luke, not just one Caesar. We got, we're going to have a couple of Caesars who are part of the story. But I have to say, what we're looking at tonight are maybe the most unlikely members of this cast. We sang about it a little bit. The shepherds. The shepherds. Now, just so we understand, I'm going to read, you know, just four verses here. Just in case, you know, we have a more of a romantic view about shepherds than we ought to have. Shepherds at this time were thought of, I'm not saying they were, some of you might be shepherds out here, I don't want to offend you. <laughs> they were thought of as kind of rude, smelly, uncouth people. They were the last people that you would want to come to your party. And all of a sudden, they're part of the big picture. Just so you know where we're at in context, Caesar calls for a census and now they're in Bethlehem, and, you know, we read what we studied this morning, Mary giving birth, you know, this, this whole idea of, you know, no room in the inn, and that shoots us to where we're at here in verses 8 through 11. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. So it's nighttime, and they're out in the fields. They probably were second, third, fourth generation shepherds. You know, they had their own niche. They had their own group. And we've got in the story this shift. You know, you're kind of going, all the cameras now go away from the manger. And they go out there to the fields. And it's nighttime. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were greatly afraid. I like the Greek word for greatly here. It's mega. They were mega afraid. You know what you're going to see, you know, as we study through Luke, this happens a lot. Not only does he mention people like, you know, Augustus Caesar and Tiberius Caesar and these, he also, one of the things that he repeats is, they were afraid. They were afraid, they were afraid, they were afraid, which is almost always followed by what we're going to see here, and that is, fear not. It makes me wonder, though, sometimes, why the fear? I mean, this is a fear constructed by God. You think God didn't know that the shepherds were going to be afraid? In the dark, somewhere in the Middle East, Bethlehem, and an angel shows up and light is shining? I can't imagine the fear they must have felt in this event. Then the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. When I study things like this, you know, you pick up on little things. You know, they, they, you, know you wonder, I wonder, why the shepherds? Why, are we, why is God including the shepherds? And then this message, good tidings of great joy, which will be to who? See, we, we tend to think we're not excluded from anything. But if you were a shepherd in the first century, you probably were excluded from a lot of things. But there's some good news here. And you know who the good news is for? All people. Smelly, rude, uncouth people. Anybody who would call upon the name of the Lord, this is good news. Doesn't matter what your background, doesn't matter what your intelligence, doesn't matter how moral you've been in your life, doesn't matter your wealth. These things are I, the reasons I believe God's going to bring in the shepherds. To bring in a type of person that's not royalty, who's not rich, they're not wise, they don't have any of the characteristics the other people have, they're just out there in the field. And they're made afraid. And there's some value in being made afraid. Because when you're made afraid, you will seek for that which helps you not to fear. You know, my wife will tell you that probably my greatest times of prayer are takeoff and landing. I don't know. I just got this fear of flying, came out of nowhere. I've talked to John Clayton about it a thousand times. He's assured me that there's a million other ways I'll probably die. Statistically, but you know, you have these fears, and we take off, and my hat comes off, and I just start praying. We land, hat comes off, pray, turbulence, hat comes off. And you know what? I'm, you know, and this might be a time of confession, but you know, when we, when we get together as a church and we have the pastoral prayer time, I do my best, you know, sometimes it's a long prayer. But that prayer on that plane, it's fervent. <laughs> I do not lose focus. Why? Because I'm afraid. And it's probably some of the most intimate time I have with God is because, anyways, God has constructed me in such a way as to want to seek Him there. I tried one time to overcome that fear. Somebody told me a long time ago. 
You want to confront your fear? Face it. And I got kind of tired of being afraid of flying. So you know what I did? I got in an airplane, a perfectly good airplane with a parachute, and jumped out of it. I'm here to tell you that doesn't work. <laughs> but the answer was, fear not. And, and so the, the angel's going, look, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Because we have good news, good tidings of great joy. And if you embrace this, if you embrace this, all the other things that you're afraid of are small in comparison. If you're afraid of the right thing, right? There's an old tombstone that says, he feared man so little because he feared God so much. If you are afraid of the right thing, you need not be afraid of anything. I do remember this, though, that when I jumped out of the airplane, when that chute opened, it felt pretty good. <laughs> because the chute was open. But see, God has made a promise. He's like, hey, what I'm doing right now is I am bringing the parachute that humanity needs. Because you guys are on free fall. You're all in free fall, and you need to be rescued. And what the angels are saying is the chute is open. It's time. Good tidings of great joy. And so those things that you're afraid of, you don't need to be afraid of them or anything else. We have all sorts of fears, don't we? I mean, in our culture, we, we almost always are afraid of what might happen, right? We have anxiety. Will I be able to pay the bills, you know? Will I get the job I need? Will I have the friends I need? You know, am I going to be looked down upon my, by my friends and on and on? But then you, there's some real fears, you know? You fear of losing a loved one, fear of death yourself. But here's something the Apostle Paul said I thought was just so beautiful. He goes, you know what? If Jesus came to die to rescue you, will he not with him freely give you all things? If, if the fear of God is quelled by the love of God, you don't need to fear anything else. And these are the great promises the Bible gives us. He's, this idea that, that even on that day, and on our way here, we were driving, and the ambulance pulled up to some house, and my daughter said, wow, they're giving somebody CPR right there in the front, you know. And we just did a, a quick prayer. But this idea that going, look at, that final thing that we're all afraid of is on our calendars, but the promise in Scripture is that your last breath on earth, earth will be followed by your first breath in heaven. You close your eyes here, you open them there. The one thing that you can't escape, that everybody is afraid of, you don't need to be afraid of anymore. Why? Because there's a baby that's going to be born. It's all wrapped around the birth of this baby. What is that baby going to do? Well, what that baby is going to do is, is live a righteous life. That baby, unlike every other person, will never sin. When, when, when the father looks at that baby, he's going to say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Can't say that about any of us. In the flesh, can't say that about any of us. And he'll go to a cross, and he will become a curse that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's a mission. Jesus, this baby is born, sent on a mission 
and it is a mission to rescue us from sin. It's a mission to, to rescue us from death. And that is the full message that the shepherds are hearing. You don't need to be afraid because we have good news. And the good news is God has not left us at the mercy of sin. He has not left us at the mercy of death. If you believe, Jesus said, you shall never die. You will live forever. What a promise. And so when we sing, that always needs to be in the backdrop of the songs that we sing during the Christmas holidays. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do pray that we would recognize this great act of love by which we are loved, this great sacrifice that was made on our behalf, and help us, Father, to meditate upon the great riches and victory that belong to us because, because Jesus died that we might live. He gave up all things that we might gain all things. He emptied himself of things that we might have all things. And help us, Father, not to behave like spoiled children, but behave like those who are grateful and live lives of gratitude for what has been done for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior.